You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. Can you see my hand? Okay. Eric Dungey, take two. Hey, I'm Eric Dungey. I'm 31 years old. I'm in real estate and I've been going to Grace for about 10 years. A little bit about my story. I got into real estate shortly after college, kind of my first real adult job. And it's interesting thing about real estate is it's commission only. So as opposed to many career fields where you're getting paid every week or every two weeks, in real estate, you literally don't get paid unless you make sales. So it could be, you know, five, six times a month. It could be no sales in six months. So I had to kind of start making some adjustments when I got into my new career field. I had to be a little bit more frugal, make my make my money stretch a little bit more. That meant, you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, uh, cereal for dinner, things like that, just because you never know when the next sale is gonna come. Eventually, I got a big break and I got a couple of nice sales and that was really exciting. And then when I got my commission checks, uh, one of my mentors sat me down and in addition to uh, paying taxes, he also reminded me that I need to pay my tithes. And so yeah, it was kind of just initially difficult for me to wrap my heads around the fact that, you know, I had a tithe in my career. I know everybody else should tithe in their careers because they're getting paid, you know, consistently, but, but me? It was just kind of, you know, I had to kind of humble myself and, and, you know, realize that, yes, the rules apply to me as well. What really kind of got me over the hump and got me, you know, over over my fears of tithing was just realizing that, you know, that 10% back to God is just showing him that, hey, God, thank you for what you're doing in my life. This is just a little bit back to you to show you how grateful I am and to show you that I'm responsible for what you're giving me and that I can handle more in the future. And so when I was able to kind of, you know, just understand that, it kind of just put the anxiety around tithing at ease for me. And so people will ask, you know, why tithe? Why give? And I truly think it just comes down to your, to your mindset and to your heart. Do you have a scarcity mindset or do you have an abundance mindset? If you have a scarcity mindset, then yeah, you're gonna think that, you know, I'm gonna run out short, I'm gonna run short every month. You know, this, I'm gonna need this 10% for myself. I'm not gonna be able to make ends meet. I'm not gonna be able to enjoy the life I wanna enjoy. Or if you have an abundance mindset, then you're gonna know that, hey, God's gonna take care of me. And even when he's not, he still is. And so it's, it's hard to explain. It's kind of irrational, but I just have this, this faith and this believing that God's gonna take care of me. And so that's why I give, that's why I'm generous, and I would encourage you to do the same. Amen. I appreciate when young people get a hold of God's principles for, for finances and putting God first. I, I love that. We had a young person up there doing it because they, you know, a lot of people say, well, when I get older, then I'll start. No, no, you start with when you have income. So some of you are going, this is, this is getting your ship together, relationship. Yeah, we all have a relationship with money, right? We realize that some of us, our relationship with money, he's our master, right? Some of us, our relationship with money, he's my lover, right? Some of us, we understand that money is a tool that we use for God's kingdom and to glorify God. But if you're here for the first time at Grace and you caught us right in the middle of a two weeks, two weeks on giving we do every year out of 52 weekends, you caught us on one of those weekends. Now you can either believe that was a coincidence or you can go, you know what, maybe God's speaking to me too. So Grace Family Church, uh, um, I'm excited to have all of you with us. I wanna welcome all seven campuses. And we, I, just, I just decided to call this Tithing 101. It, it just seems like it's so basic, simple, but I don't know if this is a discouraging poll or not, but Gallup did a poll a few years ago about church-going people, and I don't know how they interviewed and what they did. Listen to this, 15% of people that go to church tithe, 15%. I'm like, that can be a little discouraging, is if they don't understand all there is about it, maybe it's education, I don't know. 
but that, that can be a little discouraging. But this, and we, we, we realize this too, and, and most of you do. Look, some of you just need to loosen up. I'm not taking another offering. So just relax. But I, I, will, I will say this, and I've seen this over the last 29 years as being a pastor. The last thing that gets baptized is a person's wallet. It's the thing we hold on to the most, you know, and uh, so hopefully uh, you'll gain something out of even this message. Last week we talked about money management. We talked about how God owns everything, and one of the keys to financial freedom is actually spending less than you make. I know that sounds like rocket science, but actually if you make this much, spend this much. And that part in the middle, that margin, brings peace and financial freedom in your life. In fact, we have a class I'm not sure they'll put it on the screen. Maybe they should. It's a five-week financial freedom class. I would strongly encourage you to go. It'll, it's, it's good for married couples because a lot of you argue about finances, and you can't argue with God's way when you do it his way. And uh, for some of you that are doing great with finances, it would be a good refresher. For some of you that go, man, we need help. You need to come. If you're single, you need to come. It's a five-week class. I really think it'll, it'll help you out because we want to help you be uh, in better financial health uh, in your life. So we're gonna get right into this about tithing. First of all, it may sound silly to say this. Did you know tithing is biblical? I had a guy one time that was arguing me. I don't, you know, people get upset about it. He came to me, no, he emailed me and said, um, hey, I wanna let you know that I, I, I did some history. I'm a history buff that actually tithing was invented by a bunch of pastors 700 years ago. They all got together and said, how can we get more money from the people? That's where tithing came from. I, I went, really? And I gave him about three or four verses in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. He never responded to me. But the tithing is biblical. The Bible tells us in Leviticus that a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. We know that tithing actually means one-tenth or 10%. And then someone said to me one time, well, tithing's in the Old Testament, but it's not in the New Testament, Craig. Jesus doesn't say anything about tithing Actually, he did in Matthew 23, 23. You can read that one that Jesus even confirms tithing. He says, yes, woe upon you Pharisees and you other religious leaders and hypocrites, for you tithe down to the last mint leaf in your garden, but ignore the important things, justice, mercy, and faith. Then he says, yes, you should tithe. He didn't say, oh, that's an Old Testament principle, don't worry about it. He says, yes, you should tithe, but you shouldn't leave the more important things undone. So we see it's not just an Old Testament principle, it's a New Testament principle. Here's a second one. I'm just gonna go through these because this is like tithing 101. Okay, here we go. The tithe is holy. We already mentioned that, Leviticus 27:30. What does the word holy mean? When you read, study the word holy, it means to set aside or to set apart that it's unique. And so the Bible says the tithe, even though God owns all of it, the tithe, the first 10% is holy. That's what God says. In fact, uh, uh, what's symbolic of the tithe, and we had never seen it this way, but when Adam and Eve were put in the garden, you remember the beautiful garden? And God said, you can eat from every tree, the mango trees, the apple trees, the pear trees, the orange. You can eat from every tree in the garden. Enjoy all that I've given you, but this one tree, in the middle of the garden. I don't know what kind of tree it was. It doesn't tell us. It was a tree of good and evil, good knowledge and 
evil, but, but it says this tree in the middle, I don't want you touching it, I don't want you eating it. Don't eat from this tree, this one is holy. See, even then you realize there is something about not touching and not eating something that God says we shouldn't eat. So don't eat your tithe, don't spend your tithe. Your tithe is set apart for God. In fact, uh, the tithe also is a test. Did you know that the word tithe, tenth, ten is, a, is symbolic in the Bible. The number ten is symbolic of testing. You see it all through the word of God. Daniel was tested for ten days when he was fasting and told the guys, hey, let me eat what I want to eat and in ten days tell me if I'm not looking healthier. Uh, the ten cities that Joshua conquered, the first one was Jericho and God said, hey, Jericho, the first one, I don't want you taking any of the plunder. All that belongs to me. So you see this idea of the 10 is being very symbolic when it comes to testing in the Bible. So it says in Malachi 3.10, uh, bring, well, they're gonna put on the screen there, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Here it is, come on, everyone say it. Test me in this. It says the Lord Almighty, if I will not open, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will be not room enough to store it. Now it's funny that 85% of the people don't believe that. It's funny how we believe certain verses in the Bible but others we're just not sure of because listen, the hardest thing, it is the hardest, I, I, I know it is. The hardest thing is to trust God with our finances. And yet the Bible says, Jesus, uh, God said, test me in this. It's the only place where God says to test me. Let me prove to you when you invite me into your financial world how I will take care of your life. And you know that testimony from Eric Dungy? I can tell you, most people that I've ever met who started tithing never go back. They never go back. You know why? They see the blessing, they see the benefit, they see the peace in their lives. They never go back. They go, man, this is so good. Every time I do this series, someone comes up to me in the courtyard and says, you won't believe this. I go, oh, I believe it. You know, there's a lady said four years ago, this is last week, four years ago, I heard your message, I got mad. She was mad at me because she didn't want to hear it. Her finances weren't, she goes, I came back the next year and I heard it again, I was mad at you again. But I said, you know what? My finances aren't doing too good. Why don't I start doing it God's way? She goes, you wouldn't believe where I'm at today. She goes, three years ago, I started giving 4%. That's all I could afford because of my money management. He goes, she goes, fast forward to today, I give my tithe and above to causes and needs. And my, I've had more promotions in my life. I've had more things happen. And, and this is, I'm not soliciting. She comes to me and tells me this. I'm not surprised because God opens the windows of heaven and blesses your life. And it's not a prosperity mess. I'm not talking about you give and you get. You give because you honor God. But when you do things right, when you manage it the right way, God will take care of you. It's a test. Bring the tithes into the storehouse. Here's the fourth thing to tie this. The tithe is, come on, everyone say it, the first 10%. It's the first $10. If you make 1,000, it's the first $100. See, people wanna do it, they go, well, let me just wait and see. You know what wait and see is? It's a, it's a fear mindset. It's a scarcity mindset. You heard Eric. I'm just not sure if there's gonna be enough, so I'm gonna do it at the end. Basically what you're saying is, I'm gonna take care of me and if there's anything left over, God can get the leftovers. Ooh, that sounds hard. But, but, it, but that's just, we, we, we do what we think we should do, but then, oh, here God, 
And God says, no, no, you're missing out on the blessing. If you honor me, if you'll give me the first fruits of it, watch what I can begin to do in your financial world. So where does this come from? Exodus 13, two, consecrate to me every firstborn male. In the Old Testament, the firstborn male was someone, that, 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 that son was given to God. It goes on, the first offering of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. There's something about the first that's very special to God. It's something that when we begin to honor him with the first, it triggers something supernatural in the heavenly realms. I don't understand it. I don't understand God's math. God says 90% plus me is better than you owning 100%. I don't understand it, but that math has worked for Debbie and I for 42 years. Because something is triggered in that supernatural world that God seems to not only meet our needs, but the blessings of God that, that do come with it. Here's another verse in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord by giving him, come on, the, the first part of all your income. And he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine vats with the finest wine. I wrote in my notes, First, there's obedience. You honor God first. Second is the promise. Obedience and the promise. A lot of us want the promise without the obedience. God doesn't work that way. See, it takes faith. Listen, it takes faith to say, God, I'm gonna give you the first part, right? How many know if you wanna be successful in life, they tell you, do the hard things first, the first part of your day sets the rest of your day. How many of you know, I believe that. The first part of your day and devotions and prayer and reading the word of God sets the rest of your day. You don't, if you wait to the end of the day, you know what happens at the end of the day if you wait to do devotions and read your Bible? I don't know about you, I fall asleep. Because by the end of the day, there's nothing left over for me. I'm like, I'm done. Okay, so that principle works. If you want to be better in, in, in health and exercise, they tell you, do it the first thing. It's the first thing you do, right? I mean, I'm not getting into health and diet, but I'm just telling you, when you do things first, something, it sets the rest of your day. And when you honor God by giving him the first part, it sets up amazing things God wants to do in your finances. So you do it first. And this is not me, this is what the Bible says. In Deuteronomy, it says this, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. There's that word first again. I like what, well, like what Eric said, it's acknowledging God. God, thank you, man. You're the one that's provided for me this job. I'm acknowledging you with gratitude. Here, God, it's yours anyway. I give you the first part. That's what tithing is. Tithing 101 is the first 10%. Now let's do some math real quick. Uh, there's another interesting statistic that Gallup poll said. The higher a person's income, the less percentage they give. Isn't that interesting? even though 10% is 10%, but I think it gets in a person's head like, let's do some math, too many math majors we got. If you have $1,000, what's a tithe on 1,000? Everyone say it. 100, there's no trick questions here. If, if you make $10,000, what's a tithe on 10,000? 1,000. If you tithe, if you, if you, if you uh, make 100,000, what's a tithe on 100,000? You sure it's not 3,000? Because 10 sounds like a lot. You know what happens? We start rationalizing. Hey, I've done this. 
I've done this. When, when a long time ago, my dad passed away, we had a small inheritance with my brothers, and that was a, that was a pretty good-sized lump sum money. And I went, all of a sudden, I hesitated because the larger the amount, it's harder. Is it, is, is it just me, or is it harder? Think about that. Here's the next one. I know some of you might be in this room that have this. I don't know. What is the tithe on $1 million? 100,000. Some of you said, if I had a million, I would tithe 100,000. Are you tithing on your thousand? <laughs> I love this message. I know someone's excited. South Tampa's jumping up and down right now. Yes, bring it. Let's go a little further. $10 million. What's the tithe on $10 million? So let me ask you the trick question. If you, on 10 million, give 200,000 instead of a million, and a single mom who makes $50,000 a year and tithes 5,000, who's giving more? The single mom, like the widow's might. Jesus watching all these people give into the offering. Only place it's recorded. And the last little lady gave two copper coins and said she gave more than all the rest of them combined. Wow, so I guess there's a lot you can read in that. Jesus knows what we give, amen. Okay, it's getting a little quiet, we'll keep moving, here we go. Oh, this is a part I like, Craig, because we all like the benefits, right? Tell me what the benefits. Well, there are benefits. The tithe is truly a benefit in your life. When you tithe first fruits, you're inviting God into your finances. In Malachi 3.10, I've read it every time for 28 years at Grace. And I don't want to read verse 9 because it's really mean. It's scary. Go read it on your own. I'm starting at verse 10. But you may want to go read verse 9. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be food enough in my temple. If you do, here it is, if you do, if, there's an if there, there's a contingency. When you bring the tithe, I will open up the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing so great you will have room enough to take it in. I don't know what that blessing is. I don't know if it's financial. I don't know if it's just peace. I don't know if it's a blessing of, of there's so many things that you can define as a blessing. But you'll have room enough to take it in. Try it. Let me prove it to you. That word test is in there again in the other version. Your crops will be large. Again, talking about that's their income. For I will guard them from insects and plagues. God has this insurance protection plan. I've seen it in my life. I'm amazed what God has done with the stuff I've had. Debbie and I, many of you know the story, had a lot of used stuff at the beginning. Just, you know, and, and God protected the used stuff. I mean, I remember one, I mean, we had this one washing machine that we, we moved three times and brought that same old washing machine. Kept running, man, 20-something years. One washing machine. I'm not saying it didn't have things break down, but it's amazing how God just could protect things. Don't you think God can supernaturally do that? You know, I, I can tell you so many stories. There was a guy who had big orange groves back in the 70s in Florida. And this guy told me the story that there was a big frost that was coming. And he said, God, I'm a tither, and I, I'm, I'm believing you're going to supernaturally protect my orange groves. This guy had like 70 acres. All around him, the oranges were burned by frost. His were protected. I'm like, I, 
He goes, you want to drive up and see it? I mean, I'm out. Yeah, let's, let's, I didn't go up with him, but man, I, it was something amazing. See, isn't just a practical principle. There's something supernatural that takes place that we can't explain. Keep going here. Your grapes won't shrivel away before they ripen, says the Lord Almighty. When we tithe, God blesses us and protects us in so many different ways. Here's the sixth one. This is the one that's, that's hard uh, because I, I know that it seems self-serving, but I'm gonna share it anyway. The tithe belongs in the house of the Lord, the first 10%. It belongs in the church. It belongs in God's house. Above that, there's a lot of things that I give to. I don't know about you, but the first 10% goes to the local church, the place where you're fed, the place where you're cared for, the place where you're shepherded, the, the place when you're sick, you have people in community hopefully calling you, reaching out to you. I mean, that's what, that's what, it, that's what it is. That's what it's for. The place, uh, the, the meals that you are served, Exodus 23, 19 says it like this. Bring the best of your first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. It says, bring it to the house of the Lord your God. And I know some people question, well, I ain't in the church, man. There's been so much abuse in the church. You're right, there has been. Probably across America, you've seen things. But I know Grace Family Church has a local board of directors that holds us accountable for the finances and the salaries of our staff. We have an audit every year by a CPA. So, you know, I mean, you're gonna trust it with your soul, but not your finances? Think about that. Second Corinthians says this, this service that you perform, which is the service of giving, is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. So you go, what, what do you mean it belongs in the, in the house of the Lord? We're gonna talk about your investment because you know your, your, your tithe is sort of like an investment. I had a guy sit down with me, he had honest questions. He had sold a company this three years ago and said, man, I sold this company. I think everyone knows I sold it because everyone's wanting a piece of it. I don't know where to give, what to do. I said, do you really want to hear what the Bible says? Because it's going to, it's going to be, he goes, yeah, I want to hear it. I said, just pretend like it's your investment portfolio. Because see, when you, when you give to Grace Family Church, there's 27 different ministries you're giving towards. Of course, you're giving to the local things that we do here, whether it's the whether it's the taking care of the kids and, and the investment into our children's program or our teenagers or our small groups, but everything that you want to be involved in, whether it's the homeless or sex trafficking or international ministries, we already all do those things and we've vetted every one of those organizations. I said, so when you give your, this is part of your investment portfolio and he, he's a business guy, he goes, okay. He didn't say I'm going to do it. He goes, okay. And then about a, two weeks later, he calls me up and said, man, I, I get it. I have so much peace. I, I, I finally said, no, this is what I'm going to do. And he goes, man, it's just set me free knowing that I'm already investing in all these other things that Grace Family Church is doing. Okay, That's, this, it was a conversation. Here it is, your investment. We give you a little bit of some stats. 1,144 people last year committed lives to Jesus Christ at Grace Family Church. Come on. 1144. 
Now, those are people who actually signed a card. We probably have double that, but a lot of people don't want to put their information sometimes on a card. 934 public water baptisms, man, at Grace Family Church. I love that. This is what you're investing into. 5,400 people attend small groups at Grace Family Church where they're encouraged, where they're equipped, where they learn more about the Bible. Some of those groups have healed their marriages and, and helped them, whether it's freedom or one of our married groups or just what we do. 10,000 uh, plus people attend every weekend at Grace. That's people that actually come on the campus, on seven campuses. I mean, that's, I mean actually, we have 20,000 that come on a regular basis. They just don't all show up the same week, thank God. Right? They said the average person attends twice a month. I wish it was more, but that's, that's just the stats, okay? But why do we give to the house of the Lord? It's where you're cared for, where you're taught, where you're challenged, where you're equipped where you're encouraged, where you get fed a meal, a spiritual meal that we believe is a good meal. We believe that we provide great service to the people of Grace Family Church. I mean, we do the best we can, whether they're one year old or 75 years old, to really serve people and care for people and love people. And you think about it, when you get good service at a restaurant, the tip is, if you're, if you're a good tipper like my son-in-law, he'll probably give 30%, I give 20%, 20%. And, God, and, and here we're talking 10%. We're gonna, we're gonna tip a waiter more than we do because of service? Woo. Okay, let's keep going. Here's another stat. 83,000 Bible stories, crafts we do for your kids. 83,000 for God's word into our children. Listen, man, our children's ministry alone is worth it. It's just amazing. Well, I don't have kids. Yeah, but you're investing into the next generation that's gonna take Christianity for the next 50 years. That's what you're investing into. Well, those teenagers, I had a guy say, he didn't like teenagers coming in our church with those hats on. Just, just be happy they're in church. I mean, come on. I just, oh, okay, I'm not gonna go there. 1,938 kids go to summer camp in our, in our zone every, 1,938 kids, man. These, these numbers, though, why, you know, that's, that's why when you give, what's, what's going on? You know, our annual report, you can look at the annual report. I, I don't know, I, I forgot to write it down. We have 140 or 50 full-time staff, 130 part-time staff. You go, we have that many people? Yeah, it takes a lot to do a lot. You know, man, I'm proud of my staff. We have an amazing staff who go all out and, and love people. And we have over 1,200 volunteers that our staff oversees. Come on, give it up for the volunteers. We save a lot of money when we have volunteers that are willing to do things and, and we don't have to pay them. I remember when my, my son, uh, Married the girl we married from Italy, a little Italian girl. We love Vasilisa. And I remember when she came to America, she didn't have a green card yet, so she really couldn't technically work and get paid. And I said, hey, "You can come work for us for free. We can't pay, you, but you can come work." Man, 25 hours a week working just in our in our county because she's in finances and just served us well. I, I just love I love when people volunteer because it, it makes an impact. You know. Thank you, Vasilisa. I don't know if you're gonna hear this one or not, but 
But you can see our expense report, our staff, 49% of our, our tithe and offering, uh, that's part of, and that's healthy, by the way. Anything under 50% is very healthy as a church. You can look at our missions, our, all of our missions and benevolence and digital missions and, and outreach and Dream Center, all that. I'm just highlight, highlighting a few of it for you here. Um, so 23,974,000 in tithe and offering. Come on. See, someone go, 23 million. Yeah, seven campuses. They'll, they'll show, show the next one, our utility bill. I don't know what utility bill is. Show them the utility bill. Yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you. So, so $4 million towards our building campaign, which helps get Clearwater started. Praise God for Clear. Listen, we're in phase one was done which was $2.9 million. Phase two is getting ready to start. That's $3.3 million, man. We can't do it without people understanding the power of investment, and we can't do what God's called us to do. And we don't mind sharing all that. That's just what we do. Kind of, this was our actually annual business meeting we just did. No, it really is. We kind of say, here, here it is. I said this last week. I think people really want to give. A lot of people do. Their hearts are right. I believe most people's hearts are right, man. I want, I want to do it. But I just, my finances are just upside down. Go to our financial freedom class. Get started. But I believe you can honor God. Start somewhere. I say this all the time. If you can't start at 10%, say, God, I'm going to give you the first 2%. Start there. I just think God honors that. Don't you? Anyone have kids? I have kids. They're older now. But when you see your kids making an effort, taking steps towards what you know you want them to do, what do you do as a parent? You want to help them more, don't you? You go, man, I want to help you more. Take a step on every campus. Take a step. Go, you know, I can't do 10, but I can do two or three or four or five. The reason we have a hard time giving God the first part, the number one reason for many people is fear. Fear there will not be enough. You saw the promises we've given you. God says, test me, let me prove it to you. Now the second group, this is a little harder for you. The second group, you have money. You make maybe good money. You've been blessed in what you've done with your business or with your promotions. And, and really the only one thing has gotten in a way for you to give to God first, and it's you, my stuff. And there's nothing wrong with stuff. I said this last week, there's nothing wrong with beautiful homes, beautiful boats, beautiful cars, shiny, newer, nothing wrong with that. The only thing that's wrong with it is when that becomes before God. When you put that first and not God. So the first group, it's fear. The second group, it's just kind of like, it's a harsh word, but it's greed. It's all about me. I want to take care of me. I don't want to, and, and God wants you to honor him. Honor him, and when you do, you see where it's going to be a blessing to so many people. Okay? So that's my heart as your pastor. You know the biggest, I don't know if it's a fear anymore, because I'm, I'm I, I hate saying this because it sounds insensitive, but I'm 65 now, and I just don't worry about what people think sometimes if it's, if it's in the Bible. I just don't. It's in the Bible. I mean, you, you wrestle with it. 
you know, but I, I, I don't wanna be misunderstood. I don't wanna be, come across as being harsh. I don't wanna come across, you don't know my financial situation. You're right, I don't, but I know my God. And I know, and I know when Debbie and I first got married in our financial situation, you know, when you first married, it was, man, it was tight. I mean, my daughter is on the front row laughing. She wore garage sale clothes. Yeah, I mean, my mom was a garage sale queen and any way she could save us money. And I said this last week, she's never gone through therapy because she had to wear someone else's secondhand clothing. I mean, that's, that's just where we we're at because we said we're gonna honor God and put God first. We're not gonna put, listen, we are not gonna put our lifestyle first. God will take care of my lifestyle. I, I am in a place where God has done so much more than Debbie and I can ever imagine or think or ask. I mean, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by the generosity of God, but there was a price, there was sacrifice, there was faith, there were steps that we took along the way, and God looks and goes, okay, I see that faithfulness, they've, they've trusted me. Isn't that what you do with your own kids? If they don't steward something well, do you give them more of it? No, but if you see them being responsible with what they have, what do you wanna do as a parent? Thank you, give them more. I believe that's how God is. He wants to be involved in your finances, okay? So some of you can thank God because you'll have to wait another year to hear this again. But my prayer is that you will hear it every day, that the Holy Spirit will urge you and convict you to begin to honor God and to do it God's way. There's, it's the greatest way to live your life. There is more financial freedom by aligning up to God's way of doing your finances than you can ever imagine. You will have more financial coincidences in your life than you've ever had before because I've had them and I hear people talk about them all the time, okay? So I wanna pray for you, okay? This is every campus, let's pray for a moment. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for those God that are struggling. Oh God, that they would replace fear with faith. They take a step and trust you today and put you first in their finances. God, I pray for those who have been amazingly blessed but have not put you first, that today, God, they will rearrange how they live and their lifestyle to honor you first. And God, I pray for those maybe today that don't even know you, Jesus, and the first step they need to take in their life is give you ownership, that you would take control of their lives. They would realize, Lord, that the way they've been living has led to just emptiness and pain. And God, today is a day of salvation. Today is a day they can proclaim you, Jesus, as Savior and Lord. And Lord, that they can accept this amazing free gift of Jesus, that you give us grace and mercy to start our life over. And if you wanna do that, the campus pastors will come back up at the end of this message and help you take that step towards Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, for the amazing generosity of Grace Family Church that's helped us to do so much in Tampa Bay and all over the world.
In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.